of the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Buck, and today it's another How I Got Here version of the podcast, this time with Jeff O'Keefe, who does digital and social media for Toyota Racing, but that barely scratches the surface of his long and uh, windy journey to where he is today. Uh, I don't want to spoil any of it, so I will let him speak for himself, but I appreciate him taking all the time to uh, share all the details of his career. It makes for a little bit longer episode than some of the other ones, but hopefully you'll find it's worth it. So without further ado, let's just jump right into Jeff O'Keefe's story of how he got to where he is today. All right, everybody, I'm here with Jeff O'Keefe, and we're uh, here at Charlotte Motor Speedway in a small little closet-ish type room. So it's intimate, but we'll have an intimate conversation here. Jeff, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. <laughs> so listen, Jeff, um, I've heard uh, a couple tidbits about your story, which is why I wanted to include you in this. But let's first start at the beginning. Um, so what, what uh, do you do right now in racing? Absolutely. So right now, um, I work with Lisa Kennedy and her team on Golan, but we work with Toyota Racing and their motorsports department, handling content creation, working with Toyota, Christine Curley, who you had on earlier this year, uh, and the social strategy, social content creation, and publishing for all things Toyota Racing. Okay. That sounds pretty involved. And uh, I assume that that wasn't something that was necessarily on your radar to start out. so how did this all start for you? Did you uh, grow up wanting to be in sports or anything like that? Oh, man, that's a that is a question. <laughs> um, so we're going to go a little way back. Okay. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, exit 18, okay. um, because that's how you define like where you're from in New Jersey. Exit 18 off Route 78 in a little town called Highbridge, New Jersey. Nobody knows where it is. However, about 15 minutes away was a place that many NASCAR people know, uh, Flemington Speedway. Okay. And Flemington, I, kind of iconic on the local track scene, but then hosted a lot of back then Craftsman Truck Series races. And it was known for, like, you never went straight on the track. So growing up, me and my dad, he started bringing me to races when I was a kid, and we just started going there. Okay. Uh, spring cars, it was dirt, then they transferred to pavement, saw some truck races there, and, like, that's how we bonded. Um, just spending time with dad from there. Like we growing up, we would go to Nazareth Speedway, which is about an hour away from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, bush races, truck races. I remember it used to rain at Nazareth and they didn't have track drivers. So they would take pickups with tires chained to the bumper and just drag them around the track. <laughs> we waited about six hours to watch like the first truck race there. And literally like, so we went there up until... God, about early 2000s from mid to late 90s. And it was just, that's how me and my dad bonded. And just by going to races and everything. And then we went to Bristol, 1999. Um, And walking into Bristol in the late 90s, it was something like you've never seen before in your life. Like you're just like fully taken back and just the amount of people. And as I grew older, so got went to college and everything, you start to learn more. I was always interested in PR and mm-hmm. growing up in New Jersey, you know, had some really great opportunities because New York City was near there. So in college, studying communications and PR and everything. And as we continue to go to these races every year, um, you know, it you start to notice things more. Okay. You notice things more about when you go to racetracks, like whether it's the fan experience, the activation, 
even drivers signing autographs and merchandise, like people lined up and it, my brain starts thinking, I'm like, well, how do they get people there? How, like, why are they have all these activations set up? Why, who, like, why are people drawn to look at production vehicles at a racetrack? Hmm. Um, and then as we sat in the stands, total FOMO, and granted, it probably wasn't a word back in 2003, <laughs> like that set in, I'm like, man, I want to be in there. Like, I want to be inside and like, I want to be going in there, like where the, the, they, they seem cool. Like they seem like really in the know. And by that point, like I was about a junior, senior in college and I okay. was like, all right, I, I want to do this. Wow. This is really cool, but I still live and go to college in New Jersey. Not really. Yeah. yeah. They would ask me like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do PR in NASCAR. What? <laughs> yeah, Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the school with the communication study program at Montclair was amazing. Senior year, like they challenge you to basically prepare you for life after college, mm -hmm. how to get a job, that interview process, um, forced you to go get informational interviews. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. Uh, graduated. And then like you think you're on top of the world and then couldn't find a job for a year. Wow. And you're just like, oh, yeah, right. This is life. So um, this is you, and you're trying to, at the time, purely break into NASCAR. Like you're looking for racing jobs at that point. Yeah, I, at that point, started racing jobs, but I knew I needed to stay. Like when I knew I wasn't going to do full time job like right away, mm -hmm. I was like, I have to stay active, and in some sort of industry. Mm -hmm. So I, with being fortunate enough to live so close to New York, I got a few internships in New York City. Um, I ultimately ended up in 2007 interning for agency Sunshine Sachs, and I basically told them in my interview, I was like, listen, I'm not leaving until you hire me. <laughs> it's probably, a, it's a great thing to say in an interview, I'm sure, now looking <laughs> back on it. Yeah. And ultimately, they ended up hiring me in about May of 2007, and I was um, front desk, so first job out of college, straight front desk. I referred to myself as the director of first impressions. Oh, okay. Because... It was much better title than what a uh, receptionist would be. Uh-huh. Um, so that was 2007. So well you're working off, in, in New York City as yeah. a receptionist, not NASCAR as a PR no, person. Not at all. <laughs> but it was an in the industry learning PR and what life was like. And, you know, you're young, you're dumb, and you're just being blindsided by just what the world is like. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it progressed and continued to move move up uh i became assistant to both the president and the ceo which um at that time we were about 17 people in this agency but this agency um the heads of the agency ken sunshine and sean Sachs, like they they come from completely different backgrounds but in a way the same ken was uh former chief of staff for david dinkins mayor of new york back in the 90s uh he also worked in the music industry and then sean had a really big political background so their backgrounds really meshed well but expanded their client base mm -hmm. like by the end we they had clients ranging from very famous celebrities down to nitty-gritty in the on the ground stuff in new york um very close with people like al sharpton mm -hmm. like nothing like going to harlem into al sharpton's office when you're 24 years old and you're just like this is such an experience, but it's really, really cool. 
Um, and so just become being their assistant. I mean, you're just the typical assistant doing everything, travel, ordering lunch, making sure their lives are on, on point and mm-hmm. sitting in meetings. You have no earthly idea of like, how am I in here right now? Wow. So like big time people. And- yeah. Yeah. Big time people, big time stuff. Um, one of the, th- as we moved along, like one of the things we worked on a lot of stuff that came in, in a way last, very last minute. Um, for instance, Michael Jackson's funeral, um, that happened in the middle of the summer. And I remember being home, my boss, he can, he's like, Hey, this is probably coming down. We're going to probably handle this. And I was like, all right. So we figured and out what is, what does that mean? Handle it? Like do the publicity everything, for it, organize it, everything. Wow. So it was work with the family on just everything that was surrounding that he was pretty much in in line with the family but it was okay everything that was going to happen at the staples center what the media presence was going to be like how we were going to distribute everything to the media mind you this is getting close to fourth of july weekend Mm. which is great um so as they set up press conferences he's on cnn i'm literally sitting in the office ready to hit send on a mail merge because we didn't have fancy contact constant contact all these like web services now mail merge from an excel document of people wanting to cover this now mail merge breaks in the middle of it so then you have to turn into bcc i'm the only one in the office doing this and you know it was just a time where it was just very high intensity Mm -hmm. but just it had to get done right um i missed my flight that night to go to la i ended up sleeping on the couch in my boss's office Wow. Booked the next flight out, and it was just three days of like, okay, we're on the ground. We need to get. We didn't have time to make like fancy credentials, so they were like gold club wristbands. Huh. Um, that's literally what your all access piece was like. Could have been counterfeited, like easily. However, wow. um, but the just sheer chaos, but organized chaos that that mm-hmm. it was was insane, and it, it just worked. And I was the guy who just. I was on the ground, like the guy who was on the ground and doing stuff. Um, so like that just is kind of the, in a way, like just the randomness and like the variety of stuff that we worked on from there. I started working with, as I progressed and moved on to kind of being almost like, I don't know, you call it junior publicist or something. Mm-hmm. Started working with people like, um, Bette Midler, Barbara Streisand, uh, Anna Devere Smith, and then Calvary hospital. It's a wide range of exactly, yeah. <laughs> and that's what that's what they were known for, and what primed us for being able to handle variety. Now, with that, you're young, you graduated college, you don't know like what life is about. And Sean, mm-hmm. who was the CMO, he was younger, he's really cool, um, but he was like your older brother who just. Um, try to teach you life lessons, mm-hmm. but in that older brother kind of way. He literally like tried to teach us the importance of networking. And he um, he would, it got to a point like, he's like, I will pay for your dinner and drinks and stuff if you go meet media. Huh. And we were like, what? No, we don't want to go out. We just want to go home. We're doing our job. Why, why do we want to work? Because again, we're 24 years old. Like, ah, right. you know, why do we need to do this? And it got to the point, he's like, all right. He threw a whiteboard on the wall and he wrote all the assistants' names on it. He says, whoever has the most business cards at the end of the month wins dinner on me or something. I was like, oh, okay. So it turned into a competition. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just 
these little things he started teaching us about how to handle stuff. Like you would ask some questions like, hey, I need dinner reservations um, with this type of client. Okay, where do you want to go? He'd be like, all right, go to www.figureitout.com. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, I hate you. Why are you doing this? Yeah. And and you're just like so like frustrated. Mm-hmm. Why, when is this happening? You're just not understanding it. Yeah. And he, um, but he was just teaching you a lesson that you didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just with work stuff, he would always say like, if I have to ask, you've already failed. Right. What? You're like, oh, you get so mad. Yeah. Now, 10 years later, I'm like, oh my God. He's like, he came to me from the future. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. So with that, um, still going to races, still very much loving NASCAR and wanting to get into the sport. I never really had a favorite driver. I was always just more of a fan of the sport and everything that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to get into it in the worst way. Now, I through a coworker of mine, uh, she worked with a gentleman named Don Rohr mm-hmm. at one point at a record company. Now, Don was at the time Brian Vickers' business manager. And she's like, oh, I'll introduce you. And he wound, he was in New York at one time and she introduced us and he literally became one of my closest friends really quick whether just because i explained what i wanted to do what i have done and just because a he's a great guy Mm -hmm. but literally he would try to help me and just communicate and talk with me like i'm sure i annoyed the hell out of him (laughs) for like three years and we would im each other he would kind of give me ideas on like job leads and stuff. Um, and ultimately I interviewed with, at the time it was Braun racing mm-hmm. to do PR for the 11 nationwide car at the time. I didn't end up getting that job, but fast forward a year, Don told me again, I interviewed again. Wow. And finally I went, I flew down to North Carolina, I told work I was sick. I met with at that. Now that was going to be Turner in 2011 interviewed there and um just hit it off like it worked really well um ended up getting the job and i literally gave my notice to sunshine and um in my annual review oh in your your review you said that oh yeah yeah it it, you couldn't have kind of scripted it any weirder um you my sat down with sean my boss and he's like so Give me the state of Jeff. And I was like, oh, is that how it's going to go? Great. Um, well, I'm leaving. Oh, gosh. Uh, his <laughs> reaction was shocked and surprised. Um, but after explaining to him what I was doing, where I was going, he said um, he understood and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it two weeks and everything. I literally put my two weeks in. The next weekend, I moved. I looked for an apartment. The following weekend, I moved. North wow. Carolina. Wow. So there was no hesitation, even though you had a good thing going and you're working with like Bette Midler and Barbara Streisand and stuff, you I, know, to this is what you, you wanted to chase that NASCAR dream all, all the way. Yeah. I could, I, I couldn't turn back at that point. Mm-hmm. I put my eggs in the basket and I was like, man, I've got to do this. Mm-hmm. Like working with Bette, Barbara and everything was really, really cool. What was that like? It was, it, it was, unreal like 
you're you're doing a lot of different stuff at the time. Um, bet she had uh, a few CD releases. She had the HBO special for her Vegas show happening. So we did media tours around the city for that and everything. And it's just with that stuff, you needed to be five steps forward. Mm-hmm. And even from making sure the car is where it needs to be and the exit you're going to leave out of. Because if you go down the wrong exit and there's, a say, a mosh pit of fans, mm-hmm. you're, you're screwed. Right. Um, and just being able to making sure she's ready, making sure um, she's ready for interviews, making sure, you know, the, trying to control the questions in a way, but, you know, let them ask what they want to ask. Don't um, – you knew what the interview situation was going to be going in and making sure she was ready, you know, mm-hmm. like – Talking to her about her Vegas show, I wasn't working on the account when she had her Vegas show, but she would ask me, she's like, so let's, okay, what, let's talk about Vegas. Remind me. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I wasn't there, but, yeah. uh, and I just started reminding her stories and stuff. And she is a legend for a reason. Uh-huh. She knows what she wants. She's a perfectionist and she doesn't accept anything less, which is amazing. Same thing with Barbara. Uh-huh. Um, and working with the two of them and even with any of the other clients like you just learn you just really quickly pick up on how to handle certain situations and certain small things Hmm. you know it's yes there's a glitz and glamour about all of that but it's it's down and gritty i mean i wore i just found a photo of us doing the late show with jimmy fallon and i'm in asics sneakers jeans a sweater like a peacoat and a scarf that doesn't match and Long, longer hair and I'm like what the hell was I wearing <laughs> what but again I'm 26 years old I think mm-hmm. and it was at the end of a long day of press tour we were up and down New York City going to different places and you could just tell like you're just like all right we're done yeah you know and it's an amazing photo but um it's just the grind of everything that was so you know it was those were experiences you'll never forget yeah um, so how does working like one-on-one with Bette Midler, Barbara Streisand compared to working with NASCAR drivers? Cause now you've, you did Turner, you've done RCR stuff. Now you're a Toyota. So you've worked with a variety of drivers. How yeah. does, is there any comparison? I mean, there is, it's handling personalities, mm-hmm. handling how to work with people, how to handle logistics, how to, you know, manage social. I mean, <laughs> I, we one of the things that we did with Bet when she wasn't she wasn't filming anything she didn't have a tour going on is we got her on Twitter, huh. um, and she she was resistant on it at first. So I remember we were coming home from an event in D.C. and on the train, and we're sitting there, and she's like, "Jeff, teach me this Twitter." <laughs> I was like, "What?" I was like, "All right, here you go. All right, this is your timeline. This is you pop this open. You could write anything you want if you want to like." mention somebody you do the ad symbol like literally basics uh-huh. and she's like what and you know just getting her com- comfortable and acclimated to it um and eventually like, even after i moved on like when she got into a little bit of um a back and forth with kim kardashian i'm like oh i'm like a proud parent watching their kid <laughs> go off to school like this is this is so great you know i'm gonna frame this but it all of that and working with different types of personalities whether it was celebrities, whether it was even the people with Calvary Hospital and the palliative care unit, mm-hmm. like it just teaches you how to be, how to handle variety, but also think different ways and be creative, whether you're doing PR, whether you're doing social, 
and not box yourself in. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get comfortable around Bet and Barbara, or is it like, I mean, because I I feel like with NASCAR drivers, they're a little bit more down to earth maybe than I would picture those um, women being, just because I feel like diva-ish or, you know, is that fair? Um, You get comfortable to a point with anybody. You get comfortable to a point with whether it's Ben Miller, Barbara Streisand, Anna Devere Smith, again, Calvary Hospital, you know. Or whether it's Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Daniel Suarez, or Eric Jones, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like you get com- comfortable up to to a point, but you have to stay professional. You don't want to become that friend zone with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you get friend zoned, mm-hmm. uh, but you 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 still need to act professional because there's going to be a time where you need to handle business with them, mm-hmm. and you need to have to have that trust with you. Yeah, uh, whether it's handling PR or whether it's handling social media whether you need to tell them they did a great job on a social post or be like, uh, we need to talk about this. Yeah. Um, there needs to still be that level of separation. In general, what would you recommend for people who would love to be in your position? Today? That is probably one of the best questions because I, from Turner, at the end of 2011, I got laid off. They um, lost a couple sponsors. I think Dollar General, Ricky Carmichael, Monster moved out. Um, so they just didn't have room for people and they cut a few people out of their marketing PR department. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a job. I moved down here, picked up my life, moved down here to work in NASCAR. And I was like, what do I do now? And wow. I saved up money. Yeah. But to bring this full circle, I just remember Sean always saying like networking, networking, mm-hmm. you have to go out and network. And I, you know, I just remember the whiteboard with the business cards i was like all right and this is 2012 interviewed with people but just you know circumstances either you don't get jobs the jobs don't get filled and literally coming to daytona people were like do not make sure you're in daytona because you don't want to get left out like you don't want to get off you don't want to not be on the bus Mm -hmm. like oh my god like what so i did anything i could to get myself to daytona i ended up freelancing for an ARCA team doing PR. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Then the next week, I was like, well, I got black pants. I got a white shirt. I got a hot pass through a friend. I'm going back down. <laughs> and just walked like I owned the place. Like, uh-huh. you know, just, all right, yeah, I need to be on pit road. I didn't need to be on pit road. I had a truck hot pass, <laughs> and I'm going out for dual qualifying or something. Yeah. What? Or for the duels. I need to be there. So, but... Again, it took for th- apparently things happened for me within year spans because I didn't have a job for a year. Mm-hmm. But in that time, the amount of networking I did, the amount of doors I banged on, whether it was PR reps, um, the amount of team PR reps, whether it was MWR, RCR, uh, Hendrick, um, you name it, I was like, let's grab coffee. Let's grab coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I I grew an addiction to coffee through that year, trying to meet people. And it all comes full circle no matter what. It may not happen right away. Mm-hmm. One of the first people I met in this sport outside of Turner is Darlington Truck Race. When trucks still went to Darlington, oh, my God, it was amazing. Wow. Trucks running the wall at Darlington, so good. Random standalone in the fall. Chip Weil, who was James Busher's PR rep, who's now pretty big time. He's kind of a big deal with Daytona. Yeah, uh, president of Daytona. Yeah. He... um. He brings me in the media center, introduces me to people. I'm in my, at that time, Slack's dress using this, like, 
oversized button down shirt that we had to wear at Turner. And um, he introduces me to like Lisa. Oh, this is Lisa Kennedy from Toyota. This and that. I'm like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Well, you know, cool. Like literally the first person I ever met outside of uh, Turner. Cool. Go through to 11, 12. I ended up doing freelance work for Red Horse Toyota team. Doing and then ultimately doing freelance work for Ryan Truex, who was doing about eight or nine Gibbs races. Well, that tied me right back into Lisa and her team at Toyota. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, so in that year, I picked up, God, freelance work. Yeah. Made a lot of money. Then the government took it with 1099. It was was amazing. (laughs) Did the RCR um, job, which is a whole nother story with social because of literally creating social presence, Mm -hmm. literally taking baseline accounts and just being like, okay, what is our voice? How are we handling all of this? Whether from the first year there with Harvick in his final year Mm -hmm. through Austin going up the cup to winning a nationwide championship to the years with Newman to almost winning a championship. Like how are we handling this on social and going through and just through all that, learning the social world to tie this back to social. And three, four years in, you know, you're in a job for a while and we're in Chicago and Lisa comes to me, she goes, hey, let's talk. Nice. And ultimately that led to my time now with Golan and Toyota Racing. So the biggest thing, back to your question, because that was a really short answer. network you never know who you're gonna run into and you never know who you're gonna talk to yeah that's That's a great point that's a great lesson hopefully people pay attention to that because i think that's probably the biggest thing the whole key to this but um thank you for taking so much time to explain your story and um hopefully uh you have some pictures that i can use or look at something of your uh oh gosh time there yeah you i think people be interested to see you i will definitely share some photos with you from everywhere it's okay i'll post those on, on jeff.com thanks for doing this this is really cool that you are actually like looking into the w- people in the sport not just outside of drivers you know and even with drivers with 12 questions and stuff and even the social presence that you've built over the years it's like you were literally one of the first journalists to kind of get on twitter and embrace the fandom and to i mean i followed you before i got into the sport to figure out race updates and oh, wow. what was happening like Back in 2009, your press conference with Mark, Brian Vickers and Kyle Busch at Michigan is one of the great... You should have won an Emmy for it uh, because it's one of the greatest things ever. Um, please hyperlink to that press conference because that is amazing. <laughs> that was great. Um, but the embracing of social media that you've taken and literally kind of built on to what you're able to do now is because of the fan base, in a way, a fan base that you built off of that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And... Um, where can people follow you on Twitter if they want to shout at you? Uh, at Jeff O'Keefe. It's a very Irish name. Um, and then, obviously, you have to follow at Toyota Racing. Of course, because you're part of both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I assume you are part of it's your a team. account. Your account's managed by you. Well, it's, it's a team. Your personal account. My personal account's managed <laughs> yeah, by right, me. Right, I don't right, have a right, team. I'm right. not. I'm just a guy who, who handles, yeah. takes photos. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. All right, everybody, so there you have it. Not too many people in NASCAR 
I think, probably start out as a receptionist in New York City and then work with Bette Midler and Barbara Streisand and uh, ultimately end up working with Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch, things like that. So uh, kind of a cool career path there for Jeff O'Keefe. Obviously, he's he's uh, done a lot and handled a lot. So I assume that when he's faced with situations like um, setting up Toyota events, and the back of his mind going, well, I've already helped handle Michael Jackson's funeral. It probably doesn't seem too hard or, or quite as hard or daunting to uh, as it might seem to some others. I got a direct message on Twitter this week from one of my Twitter followers, and she said, please remind people to use the Amazon link more than you have been even because, you know, people like me, I can't afford to be a patron and you're always thanking the patrons and things like that. But um, don't forget about us who shop on Amazon and um, help support you that way. So, yes, thank you very much for the reminder. Um, people can help support the podcast by going to jeffgluck.com slash Amazon. And when you do that, uh, I will get a small commission from your purchase. It doesn't add any cost to you. It's just something that Amazon does to try to in- increase their sales. So uh, I do use that uh, frequently for things like diapers. As I've mentioned before um, at home, we, we order like a lot of our stuff off Amazon. We really don't go to the grocery store or Target or anything like that. Um, if we can, we just try to order everything from that and, and save money that way. So um, hopefully you can do the same. And if you do go to jeffgluck.com slash Amazon, and it will take you right to the homepage there. So coming up on the next edition of the podcast, uh, it's going to be a post-race version with somebody, I'm not sure who, from Texas Motor Speedway, beginning with a media member there as I'm getting back on the road this week. So we will see what happens with the NASCAR playoffs in Texas and if anybody can rebound from Martinsville and take out one of the big three or whether the big three will march on and take the other three remaining spots for Homestead. Anyway, thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast.